Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast exploring the intersection of faith and culture. Hi, my name is Adam Hawkins, and today I'm joined by a uh, friend of the show, but not usually on it, Michael Bleeker. Hello. How you doing, man? Great. We are recording on a Saturday, not usually a day that we're in here working. How's your brain feel? I feel good. Okay, good. Yeah, One Kingdom Conference this weekend. Yes. Yeah, glad to be here. I'm glad you're here too, man. Thanks. Super exciting. I love that we get to have you on the show because we were talking last night uh, and Zach uh, S. Wine, who's our other guest, surprise, yeah. Zach S. Wine and I were talking and he, he had asked you this question. Um, uh, are, he had said that somebody asked him this question, are you a preacher that sings or a singer that preaches? And I, I later thought about that and I said, Michael Bleeker is a shepherd that sings. And so we're talking about leadership today, wisdom and leadership. We've been in a wisdom series, both in our church and on the podcast. Um, and I think having you on to talk about what shepherding and leadership looks like is really going to encourage and inform our listeners. So I'm super excited to have Thanks, you. Thanks, man. Zach Eswine is also joining us. He is a pastor. He is a mentor to me. Um, he has written several books. Um, one that has been so life-changing is called The Imperfect Pastor, um, but he's got more and more uh, to say about who he is. <laughs> no, I don't know if he does, but what I usually like to do is ask our guests, um, you know, you can do the the book bio, but I like to ask our guests, what would you like uh, the listeners to know about you? Ah, well, it's great to be here. And I, I think I'd, I'd love our listeners to know about my wife, Jessica, and, mm. uh, our four kids and uh, cultivating life there in St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, just trying to do each day. Uh, together, seeking Jesus together. So yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Zach, you, um, as I was saying earlier, you have been uh, such a a dear and um, wonderful mentor to me. I've learned so much about leadership from you. And so I'm excited to have this conversation with you today. Thanks so much, Adam. So I think maybe where to start is just to say, um, if you think about leadership, I know back in the day, maybe I didn't know how to think of myself as a leader. It, it, it maybe it depends on where you are in your life or, or um, the stage of life. But I, I think it's fair to say, and we can argue about this if we want. But I think it's fair to say that we're all leaders of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, if you're a human being. Um, you maybe you're leading in an organization, maybe what we would typically think of. Maybe you're a coach, maybe you're a businessman or whatever, maybe you run a team. But that maybe is too reductionistic of you. I think there's there's also the reality that we're leaders in our home. If you have kids, you're certainly leaders of those kids. If you have a family, uh, you might be a leader of your family. But at the very least, you're leading yourself. And so everybody to a degree in their lifetime uh, is going to be a leader. Um, and so this conversation is actually for everybody. I think there's a way you can maybe start to listen to this and think to yourself, well, I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't do X, Y, Z. Um, but let's, I'd like to expand that and to say, I think this conversation's for everyone. Um, does anybody, what does anybody think about that? 
Yeah, I think to be to be a leader, um, there there are so many requirements in my mind mm. when I think about being a leader um, that I don't know if they belong there. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm. So, Zach, you said a long time ago um, uh, that the, the world says uh, in order to do something meaningful that you have to do something large, famous, and fast. And I've never forgotten that because I feel that draws a leader all the time mm. to do something large, to do something famous, to do something fast. And uh, the older that I get and the more that I lead, the less that I feel that those things are important. And so if I could, I was just going to throw that to you and just ask if you could expound on that, because it is something that, I, that I've, that um, since you've said it, I, I wrote it down, I, I keep it with me, um, I, I use it when I disciple, when I teach others. Um, and I would love to just hear you talk about that aspect of leadership. Mm. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, the, the feeling all around us is for God to do something large, famous, and fast, mm. and then larger, famous, or faster, and there's, there's no end to it. There's no arrival. And, uh, but the truth of it is most things that matter in life require small, mostly overlooked graces over a long period of time. Mm. And almost anything that truly matters to us is cultivated that way, like uh, a friendship that lasts, uh, a marriage that lasts, a uh, parenting, mm -hmm. uh, grandparenting, uh, uh, if, if, I, if we're in a life of singleness, mm. um, uh, becoming an expert at anything, mm -hmm. uh, becoming having credibility in your field, learning how to play the piano, memorizing the where the books in the Bible are, mm. getting through sickness, um, getting through depression, anxiety, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, learning how to paint, forgiving someone. Mm -hmm. uh, like all these things are slow, mostly overlooked graces over a long period of time mm -hmm. that accumulate in a life. And that's a wisdom posture uh, from the scriptures. And um, But I certainly needed that uh, reminder every day. Yes, yeah. What a countercultural view. If I think of, well, maybe let's talk about this a little bit. Bleeker, you started that piece of the conversation. What, for you guys, when you look at, let's just say popular culture, um, what is, what is, this cultural moment specifically telling us about leadership. There's large, famous, and fast, but there might be some other aspects to it as well. Zach, as you look at it, what are some traps or alternatives or lies maybe the, the culture is saying that uh, leadership should look like? Mm -hmm. That's such a good question. You know, if you use the language that you all have been using here uh, in your wisdom series, uh, the, there's the simpleton. Mm. Um, so there's the the naive leader, and then there's the stubborn and the sluggard. So there's the stubborn leader and the sluggardly leader, and there's the scoffer, the scoffing leader. And um, our our cultural moment tends to prize uh, not the sluggardly leader, mm -hmm. but certainly prizes the stubborn leader, mm -hmm. the fool who is not teachable, uh, has his own opinions. Uh, but doesn't learn from others. We we like that mm -hmm. um, in a leader uh, unwisely, and uh, we're also prone in uh, to like naive leaders. Uh, everything's wonderful. Everything's rosy. We don't have to count the cost of anything. It's all going to be great. Just hang on there. It'll all work out. Mm -hmm. And we like that too. Mm -hmm. That's easy speezy, man. No mm -hmm. conflict, you know. And um, and then certainly we're tempted in any. Historically, cultures are tempted, particularly when things go bad, 
when the economy is bad, um, when when uh, things are, are difficult, we're tempted to choose a scoffing leader. A mm. scoffer is a criminal, uh, a person who's willing uh, to burn a city down, in the the proverbs say, yeah. in the name of the ends that the person's trying to get. So we're certainly tempted to there. And in contrast to this kind of these kinds of leaders, there's the wise leader, mm. which of course is. Jesus personified in Jesus mm. and, um, and how he disrupts naivete and folly and mm-hmm. uh, the scoffer and uh, he's an equal opportunity offender mm-hmm. with all those kinds of leaders and an equal opportunity inviter and uh, to learn his way. So in our cultural moment, distinguishing uh, what strength, what a strong leader is and defining strength the way Jesus does. Mm as a real challenge for us. Yes. Um, There's a weird thing happening, okay? And I think you, you pointed it out uh, concisely. And as somebody who sort of, um, I say a lot on the show, is not linear, and I circle the drain of a topic a million <laughs> times. Let me just chin scratch out loud for a second. Okay, so um, this idea that in moments, in cultural moments of difficulty, which I think we could say we're in one, there seems to, I'm probably everyone would say, n- name this in their time, right? You could always look back and say, we're on the edge of something. There's a new something. Mm. But in our cultural moment, it certainly feels over the last, I don't know, decade or so, um, something has been, the, an angst has been there. For, just take Christ, the, the recent crisis of COVID, right? That's a national, global crisis mm. in a sense, and all that came with it. We, in those moments, sort of huddle up and look for a strong man who can uh, voice our particular, I don't know, outrages and frustrations mm-hmm. on, a, on a national scale, maybe on a, on a larger scale. Maybe in our in our everyday lives, um, we like a uh, we we can like a stubborn, non-teachable leader. Somebody we mistake stubbornness with strength. Mm. Um, and there are certainly times. I love that you said this because this isn't. I didn't think of this, but the positivity movement. You know, everything's yeah. good all yeah. the time, and you can have everything good too if you just listen to me. You know, or whatever. <laughs> um, the naivety of it. I think there's this weird thing too. If I was to name it, it's like I think people both want and despise leadership at the same time. Hmm. There's a weird thing where I've, I've been thinking about this. It's like um, the stories that we tell about leadership right now on a popular level, I'm hard-pressed to find one that's not about overcoming an oppressive leader. And those are true stories. I'm not dismissing those stories. Hmm. I'm, but Almost every story of leadership is one that leadership is abusive, misused, power. If you're in power or if you are a leader, you've done something wrong to Mm. get there. These are the pop, I'm thinking of movies and TV, the popular Mm -hmm. imagination. If I think of a leader who's the type of leader that's acceptable on TV, I'm just going to say it like on TV or something. It's generally maybe the one who's sort of, I guess the naive, maybe Uh, they're caring they do not challenge. They they honestly don't offer much information, but they listen to you. And maybe they overcome their own prejudice or, or oppression or something. The best examples I can think, if somebody said, Get, tell me a movie to watch about leadership, like that's on the nose, right? You can always kind of like abstract it. 
would maybe be like an athlete movie from oh, 10 yeah. to 20 years ago, you know? <laughs> uh, it's kind of a Disneyland version of it. Um, and and those are, I love those movies, but a sports movie, Same. you know? Um, yeah, but it's, I'm hard pressed to find the, um, the version um, that shows a strong leader in a positive light. Yeah. What is that? That's strange too, right? Mm. Um, anyways, yeah. I don't know. What are y'all's we thoughts want on gr- that? We want greatness, right? As yeah. leaders, we the word great to to leave a legacy and mm-hmm. to to be great. And I think a lot of that gets twisted um, as you as you lead. It can get twisted in in uh, in becoming somebody that you never thought you would be. The the world kind of creeps in, and you start to feel that. Um, authority, mm. right? And uh, and things can get twisted mm. at that point. And yeah, so I think about as you're talking, I'm just thinking about we we all want to be great, and um and what that looks like in the Bible is what you were talking about earlier, Zach. It's some of those those uh, over a long period of time. Um, learning an instrument, it's sitting with someone in a hospital. It's these. This is what greatness can really be. Um, but but I think a lot of times um, we want the stage and we want the popularity um, without all the other things. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. You know. Um, so I would love to hear from you, Zach. Yeah. Just what greatness looks like for a leader um, as we as we continue to lead and we want to make a mark and we want to um, pass these things on to the next generation, we, we want to do that with greatness. Um, but, but the world, again, the world can twist that. We can twist that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it becomes folly. Mm-hmm. Um, we can be hasty and all these things. And so I would love to hear you talk about just what greatness looks like for the leader. Oh, boy. We, well, we, we know we want to start with thinking about how does Jesus define greatness? Right. And he does it very clearly in a disorienting way. When uh, James and John and his mom, their mom, think it's a great idea that James and uh, John would sit on the right and left hand of Jesus (laughs) for his glory, they say. (laughs) For your glory, when people look at you, we'd love for them to see us. I mean, that's our desire. And uh, maybe they're just doing what Jesus invited them to, be asking, be seeking, be knocking. Maybe they're taking him up on that and being honest. And he doesn't shame them, you know. He receives it. But then the next thing he does is uh, take them into the classroom, as it were, and say, um, you know, the Gentiles do what you just said. Mm. People who don't know me, um, you have the same motive you just have, but they don't use Jesus' language. Yeah, And you just use Jesus' language with the same motive that anybody has. And then he says, uh, we're, we're not going to do that. It's not going to be like that among you. They, they want to rule over people. And if you want to be great, you want to serve the least. That's really con- uh, disruptive. He's so kind. Mm-hmm. And then the very next thing he does is a case study. Goes from the classroom into a case study, and it's blind Bartimaeus mm-hmm. who's calling out. And um, Jesus had said to James and John, what do you want me to do for you? Yeah. And now he goes to the least, blind Bartimaeus, and gives him the same question. What do you want me to do for you? And I'm thinking for James and John, that had to be, and their mom, that had to be humbling. Because the the guy on the outside, the least, just received the same privilege, same invitation from Jesus, that James and John, who are on the inner circle, I mean, all the, all the Jesus conferences, you see James and John, you know, yeah. like they're on the inside. Mm. And uh, But um, Jesus gives a case study with with a least to show them what he has in mind. And so there's the Lord 
not moving, not taking them to a seat, a center of power that day, but uh, to the least of these. And so fleshing greatness out in that way is really disruptive because it means being willing to being willing to be overlooked by certain um, influencers. Mm. Yes. Or when attended uh, to by those influencers, inviting them to a different kind of influence, which is risky. Yes. Uh, and because of that, we, we need each other to talk like this a thousand times a day, mm-hmm. um, to believe that if we served blind Bartimaeus, we are doing great things for God. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that in the congregation I serve, that just means it shifts, that just means it brings other people to my mind. Uh, I, I can start to think about okay, who's who who would be leaders, mm. who's growing, who and things like that. And then, but this passage reminds me: oh, who are those who are suffering? Mm-hmm. Who are those yeah. who are overlooked? Who are those who are on the margins of the people that I serve? And to expand that idea, and and then as a mom, you know, as a mom or a dad or a uh, the the little things with kids every day. Our ki- is kingdom greatness, yes. kingdom mm. work. Every act of service to, because kids are the least. They yeah. have no influencing power, no networking power. <laughs> <laughs> like there's nothing they can come through and do for us. And uh, right now, and uh, and so to serve them as if they have this kind of dignity uh, uh, reminds us that it is a great thing to do uh, a small, ordinary act of grace and uh, in the, the Lord's eyes. Mm. But uh, no one will, no one will, you know, put your face on a cover of a magazine for that. Mm, right. And that, so it's hard to believe. And then for those who do have that kind, they have been given, quote unquote, that platform. They need particular prayer because uh, <clears throat> the temptations they face are to doubt that their ordinary life is enough. Mm. And um, and so they, those folks that God's given that kind of. Uh, ministry need our help too. I, I was on, recently on a sabbatical, mm-hmm. and I was surprised. I had to start clarifying what I meant mm. uh, on three different occasions over a twelve-week period. When I said I was on sabbatical, I was in different parts of the country. You know, and, uh, when I said I was on sabbatical, the first response was, "Oh, mm. oh," <laughs> and I realized what you were talking about earlier. Just the culture of leadership, the expectation that mm. oh, I must have fallen, I must have mm-hmm. done something wrong, I must have need to step back, you know, whatever. And uh, trying to clarify, no, actually, we're just trying to build in a, a a policy of pausing in order to keep going in our church. And after 15 years there, I, we we finally did, and I'm, I'm recipient of that. Mm. All is good. Mm. Mm. Could you keep going on this? Can we keep talking yeah, through this? Yeah, like, yeah. What is it, you know, for, for someone who feels like it's the ordinary person, the, they may feel like they're being passed over, uh, forgotten. Mm. I know as a 44-year-old worship leader, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've, there are times where I, I go, I, I'm, I'm running out of time. <laughs> I'm feeling I'm not being invited to this or that. Mm-hmm. And, and that's all okay. But there are times where it's just like, um, I, it's I need to be okay just being an ordinary person. Mm-hmm. But what would you what, what would you say to that person to encourage them um, in their ordinary life? Yeah, I would say part, there's real grief. We do we we do grieve mm. uh, shifting from youth 
to gray hairs, you know, shifting to mid our midlife, the afternoon of our life, um, that there is grief there, partly because we're in a culture that really prizes youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Wonderfully, wonderful. Yes. I mean, you know, wonderful. We wouldn't want to lose the dignity of youth. Yes. Right. Goodness. But we're, our strength isn't prizing older people like some other cultures do. Mm-hmm. And so um, we grieve, uh, but we also realize there's a grief because of the folly in our culture that doesn't recognize um, the contribution of a 55-year-old mother, uh, a 44-year-old worship leader, and uh, and we grieve that too. And we, we cry out longing mm-hmm. for the Lord to give us wisdom. Uh, but I, you know what? Here, uh, an anecdote would be this. A, a, a longtime pastor and mentor of mine um, took his own life. This is some years mm-hmm. ago. I've written about it. He took his own life. And uh, and those of us who were so helped by him were so sad, not only because of the obvious thing there and his family, but he didn't know. Uh, he really needed to, to step down from the ministry that he was a part of just because of his mental health was he just needed a break. Mm. But he didn't know that he could take a break and not even be a pastor anymore. And his living room would still be visited by so many of us. Mm. Uh, and we would invite him to ours because we would have just been grateful. One, just to know him, mm. but also to keep learning from him. Yes. And he didn't he didn't realize that. And uh uh one of the positive things about a younger generation, the Gen Z and everything else, is that um, there is a longing for mentors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, saturated with information, not a lot of wisdom. Yeah. Right, looking for mentors, and so I think there's a good, there's hope there, because there might be something in that generation that recovers a wise thing, which is people in gray hairs and old age uh, may not have the um, uh, platform, uh, maybe in our culture that they once had. But their uh, their ability to be a shaping influence in your life is stronger than ever. Yes, mm. probably stronger than when they had whatever they once had because they're older and wiser now. Yes, if they've been teachable. Mm. So I have hope that you know um, there our living rooms might be visited more. We might be in others' living rooms and make a real difference there uh, behind the scenes. Mm. And uh, and having to learn to to believe that that's real, mm. uh, but to be behind the scenes and cheer others on is is really a gift. Yes. Yeah. How do we sew in the idea of the ordinary? The idea that we have something to learn. You know, even just what you said about Gen Z, maybe realizing they have something to learn from the older generation. Um, how do we continue to sew that in? Because I think you said we need to remind ourselves with these conversations every day, but maybe to get more granular, I think about how hard sometimes it is to see when you are maybe living in the other narrative, the the worldly narrative. Mm. Um, I think about Saul often, actually. Saul is a leader who's we tend to, with these kind of leaders, we tend to caricature, you know, caricature them. I think about Saul as a leader, and certainly um, he's he's impressive and all these things. 
he is chosen by the people. Um, he's well liked for a time. Uh, and then what I used to do with him is think, oh, he's just like a power-hungry maniac who is insecure or something. But when I thought about Saul's experience, he and I think about him, and I think about his mental health, and he needed David to sing to him and these kind of things, I thought, I, I've often thought to myself, I bet you saw, saw himself as a victim. Hmm. I, I bet you that Saul is saying things like this, which I have heard in my worst moments of leadership say things like this. Here's a guy, I can hear him saying, David, all these people love David. Don't they know I made David? Don't mm-hmm. they know that I gave him my armor to mm-hmm. fight Goliath? I gave him my armor. Mm-hmm. I raised him up. I, I, And all I wanted was, yeah, I gave him platform and everything else. Where's and my praise? Where's my praise? Mm-hmm. And now people want to see him on the throne. Look at all I've done. Don't they know how much I've sacrificed? Mm-hmm. I'm sure as he thought about God chose me, mm-hmm. I God chose me too. You know, mm-hmm. I can hear just, I can hear a man like him as his leadership that was large mm-hmm. slips through his fingers, not being able to be overlooked was less a matter of just saying, can't you be selfless? But it was deeper than that. It was it was something at his core was hurt. Mm. And I and, and yes, I think it was all the things we've talked about. But I wonder if also what was what we're talking about is what you said, the failure to properly grieve, the mm-hmm. failure to be other centered. I think th- that piece is so important. It's the motive underneath. And so I'll an- I'm answering my own question now, but Zach, I-, I wonder if you could talk about this some too, but it's just um, how do we recognize when we're after our own greatness? One of the ways I do that is in my unhealth. If I start to say things like, what about me? If I start to say things like, man, nobody knows what I do. Mm-hmm. If I start to say things like, I see that guy getting all the praise, but you know, I mean, that's just the way it is. People love the whatever. Mm-hmm. People love that kind. Yeah. They don't like what I do. You know, yeah. when I start to, uh, maybe it's grumble. When I start to have a grumbling heart towards my own gifts and the station God has me in, rather than doing what you just said, which is not looking for personal greatness, but to serve, you know? Yeah. I just, I yeah. want to talk about the experience in such a human way, because I think, I I think very often if you're like, be about others, I think so many leaders would say, of course I'm about others. That's mm-hmm. all I do. I'm mm-hmm. raising people mm-hmm. up and looking for the leader and all mm-hmm. that. But it's that language that sort of starts to twist in on itself, mm-hmm. that you start to kind of feel the real loss victimhood, et cetera. Does yes. that make sense? What yeah. As we lose our soul, yes. we're trying to gain the world. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts about that, Zach? I might... Yeah. Um, we, uh, it's hard to finish well. Mm. So it's not just that Saul was just whatever. Right. Uh, it was hard for David to finish well. Right. It's hard for any of us to finish well. And, uh, and so we do need David's prayers. Teach me to number my days. Mm. And then to to step back and think, I I really I, we have in a normal life seventy to eighty years. That's what a psalm, the Psalms say, seventy to eighty years. We know there's more, we know there's less, but that's that's a seventy to eighty year. Mm-hmm. And and then so that means there are seasons. And to think wisely about this is okay. 
Uh, there is my leadership as a younger person. Mm-hmm. There's my leadership in the years of gray hairs. And then <laughs> there's the years leadership in old age. Mm. And uh, the to be able to transition, to mm. surrender to the transition yeah. that is God, God uh, given and required. Uh, means we can flourish and finish well. It's good. Um, and those of us who don't, we resist the transition. That's when we end up flaming out, or mm. or we end up staying on a board too long. Right. We don't yet a young. We don't let a younger leader lead, mm-hmm. um, and all of that kind of stuff. And so, to be real, you said let's get granular. Yeah. So, Cars Three. Yes. Cars yes. Three. Yes. One of the best. Uh, that movie is really a wonderful parable of what we're talking about mm. here. Because Lightning McQueen, mm-hmm. he was the thing, when, and and now he's older. Yeah. And he's gr- he's wrestling with that whole thing. Mm. And I spoiler alert, you know, <laughs> um, he pushes away everything that would help him, mm. and finally realizes he can't be fast like he once was. Mm. He's the the guy who used to drive the lane who has to learn. To shoot threes or shoot mm-hmm. out if he wants to stay in the league, yeah. and um, yeah. and then more than that, he begins to ima- he talks to old folks who've gone before him, and then he begins to imagine how he could pass on mm. what he has learned to another, and really, there's a, a parable there <laughs> that 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 it resonates a lot mm. with this biblical numbering of our days, mm. and so um, to imagine ourselves. Uh, leading in particular ways, um, we can't be as fast as we once once were in our gray hairs, but we can be smarter. And then imagining how do I gradually let go, so that I can encourage mm. and invest in others. So there's a, a leader named Leighton Ford, mm-hmm. uh, who's been an influence in my own life and so many in a behind the scene way. But he's modeled this uh, for some and some of us. And he he says there's a banyan tree leadership. Uh, he's Billy Graham's brother-in-law. Mm. There's banyan tree leadership and there's aspen tree leadership. Mm. The banyan tree is a big, massive tree, uh, but uh, nothing grows underneath it. It's so massive and it provides so much, but it creates so much um, shade that nothing can grow beneath it. Mm. And uh, the aspen tree is connected underground wow. uh, through a, a root system. You can't see it. But it's just connected. So if one one aspen tree goes down, it, it isn't necessarily dead. Mm. Wow! Uh, because of the the rest that's going on there. And so, how do we a banyan tree leader in that sense? We we it's um, it's at its worst. It's Saul. Mm-hmm. I can't number my days and adjust. Imagine if Saul was the kind of leader we were just talking a wise leader. Right. He wrestled with it. He'd need help and community and forgiveness. And but he got there mm. and, uh, and uh, man what the kingdom would have been mm. if David had a wise mentor yes, like Saul yes. if Saul had become a wise mentor mm-hmm. and could free David to shine mm. um, that would have been amazing for the people for yes. the generation uh, yeah that's fascinating I've never thought about David's tale part of his struggle and downfall being the absence of a wise leader mm-hmm. in his life. Mm-hmm. He had a prophetic voice. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. He had prophets there. He right. had, yeah, but to have a wise leader. And how much more like, could he have flourished oh, if mm-hmm. Saul mm-hmm. would have poured into him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. That's a fascinating thought. It's really the idea of um, buying buying the field, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> With the treasure mm-hmm. in it. This is this, I'm not going to build on top of it and make some monument to myself. 
that this is there's this greater story here that's going to take long longer. Yeah. How did Paul say it? Um, you uh, living epistles. Mm. You are my joy and crown. Mm. So the people. Uh, he was talking about the people that he ministered to. They became his joy and crown, and somehow Paul is freeing Timothy and Titus and Phoebe, and like he's freeing them mm-hmm. you know, to become what they were made to be. The baton is being passed. Yes. Yeah, there's a future. There's a there's a look. To, it's what you said. Numbering your days. There's a vision for the future that contemplates your own end. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to something you've taught me um, so well, and I just want to say it because I think it's really countercultural, and I think there's, if I'm honest, I think there's probably loss associated with it to a degree. I think there's so much more to gain. But this is the idea of recognizing your limitations mm-hmm. and leaning into those limitations, not seeing those things as problems to be overcome but gifts in a way yeah. to be embraced. So the leader who thinks, who can't develop a ma- an imagination for his reign ever ending mm-hmm. in some way is un- living under the lie that uh, he's God, mm-hmm. he's needed, you need me for this. Mm-hmm. You know, We've heard that language in politics recently, if you think about it. I'm the only one who mm-hmm. can save you. I'm the mm-hmm. only one who can deliver this kind of world for you, et cetera. Um, that's, that's Banyan Tree leadership for sure. So in order to not be focused on fast, large, and famous, in order to be a wise leader who develops a vision for others around you, for service, as Jesus would say, I think you have to understand um, that you can't be everything, everywhere, mm-hmm. all at once, to mm-hmm. name a movie mm-hmm. <laughs> of recent, that has recently come out. What what does being... You, you talked about ordinary, and I think that's right, Zach, but what does being a limited leader who understands and embraces their limitations look like? Jesus. Mm. <clears throat> Uh, but that's that might not be any help, you know. Right? Like, oh. <laughs> I just stop. There. Just stop. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it does seem to be. Uh, it it is it is a willingness to be overlooked, and that's really hard. Right. Yeah. It is a willingness to surrender, and it just it's. We need help. We need gracious help to mortify those things in our heart which would keep holding on in a certain way. Mm. Um, and um, and it's this, this struggle that we have is that uh, people will praise the f- stubbornness in us, the folly. Yes. People will praise the naivete in us. Mm-hmm. They, it, it helps them. If we're naive, they, they get to have hope without a sense of having to co- count cost. And mm. if we're uh, foolish... Um, they they may not feel um, they just know that you're going to get it done. You're mm. the kind of person who's going to get it done. So we we get praised for those things. That's a good mm. point. So to choose to choose um, the way Jesus defined greatness means we will lose a constituency. Yeah. Mm. We will. Yes. It. We just will because those who are unwise will view that as weak. Mm. and foolish mm-hmm. uh, and folks who see wisdom as weakness 
even in the name of God, they'll go elsewhere, mm-hmm. or they won't read you, or they won't. You're not the person they'd look to for counsel. Mm-hmm. And being able to deal with that—that's not easy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, and trusting though that. Um, but when when wisdom says anyone who's simple come in here, mm. you know, uh, so so maybe that's where it is um, to your your question. Uh, wisdom has built her house. It, if you compare wisdom's house and folly's house in mm. the Proverbs, mm-hmm. it's remarkable in the difference. Mm. She has built her house. Um, folly hasn't. Uh, she has prepared food. Uh, folly hasn't. Uh, and she has uh, mentorees. That's good. She sends out mm. uh, her daughters, and they go out and say, "Come." Mm. And uh, and so then anyone who's simple or anyone who needs sense, the fool, can come into this way of being mm. that is hospitable, yeah, um, personal, uh, personally involved. Community oriented, mm. and wisdom's already giving away power by sending out others, and uh, and so you're brought into this wisdom community mm. of something that's more ancient than yourself mm. that's being passed to you that you'll be empowered to pass on to others. Whereas Folly, she sits at the highest place um, on her porch, as it were. There's no food that she's prepared. She's not done any work um, to offer someone else. Mm-hmm. And she has no one she's mentored. Folly itself calls out, come in here. Uh, uh, food stolen in secret is sweet. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the difference is, too, wis- uh, wisdom calls out to the simple, the naive, and the fool, those who need sense, those who lack sense. The fool calls out to those who are trying to pursue wisdom. Mm. Stunning to see it. <laughs> and uh, the one who's trying to go on there, this, the good way right. is who the fool calls out to. And if you turn to Folly's house, now the difference. There's no food for you. Mm-hmm. It's not a hospitable situation. Mm-hmm. There's no community. You don't have others to learn from. It's just you and the fool. Mm. And now you have to produce for the fool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and per- perhaps those that those are the two different pictures of, of a way of leading and being. Um, the one which is um, isn't everywhere at once, can't fix everything, doesn't know everything, uh, invites into a hospitable community of a way of life, and then the other one who puts themselves on the highest place and uh, and in an isolated, alone, individual way says, "Come to me," yeah. and um, uh, I. I, the fool, will let you know everything you need. Uh, that that fool is trying to do everything, uh, be everywhere at once, uh, proposes to know it all, and uh, wants to trip us up. Mm. <laughs> and that sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's God's role. That's right. right. It's God's role. <laughs> we can be like God. That old whisper mm. from the garden is mm. still uh, whispering to us. Mm. Yeah. What a good place to land the plane, I think those two visions and also the hope offered mm-hmm. in both cases. If you are foolish, if you recognize something of the the ladder climber, the do whatever I can to get ahead, all, all the things that that are that are valued mm-hmm. to a to a degree in our culture, if you're recognizing those things in yourself, 
well, welcome to the party. Mm. We all have sin in our hearts. We all have those places of need and wounding and a million other motivations in us that need healing and shaping. And there are wise voices who are calling out. There is a wise voice who offers a better way, and that's Jesus. Amen. Um, and uh, for the the wise who are trying, who are trying to take the harder path of of being overlooked, of of surrender, of other centeredness, of all the things we've talked about, um, to look over and see there's a way that looks easier but ends in death. Mm. There's a voice to follow that's crying out to you. Um, what a good warning to say, keep at it. Remember that an ordinary life is an extraordinary yes. one, right? Um, Zach, thank you so much for your Thanks, wisdom. Guys. And uh, what I love about these conversations is there's so much to contemplate. There's depth here. So listen a couple times. Listen one or two times and um, and uh, send any questions you have in. And I'll pass them along to Zach and ask him to solve problems. <laughs> and for I'll me. say, so, watch Cars 3. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you for listening to Culture Matters. This episode is produced by Chelsea Conway with editing and support from the Good Podcast Company. If you're a regular follower of the podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can message us on social and you can check the show notes for more information on how to best connect with us as well as connect with our guests and ways to support their work. See you guys next time.